Welcome to the Point of Convergence podcast. I am your host, Grant Lira. Get ready to sit down, tune in, and implement. Remember, the knowledge you learn here and anywhere else in your life is only worth something to you if you use it. So get implementing after this episode and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Point of Convergence with my good friend, Vince. Now, we've been talking for a while here. Me and Vince have been, uh, I've been on his podcast now. I have the pleasure of having him on mine. If you guys are watching this, you'll notice I am standing up. This is my first episode with a standing desk, so I'm pumped for that. And then I got Vince here, who has one of the absolute coolest backgrounds um, of anyone I've had the pleasure of being on a call with. Uh, For those of you who can't actually see his background, which if you are listening, I recommend you just hop into YouTube quick and look at his background because he's got Star Wars stuff. He's got, it's a beautiful background back there, but uh, enough, enough of me telling you guys about Vince. I want to let Vince introduce himself. So Vince, how are you doing today? Oh, Grant. Always good catching up with you, mate. Always good catching up with you. And yeah, the the background for those who can't see it, it's a mixture of my obsession with Star Wars. Um, I've got my Boba Fett helmet, my Darth Vader helmets, all sorts of stuff there. Uh, peppered with my obsession with comic books and Marvel. Uh, and of course, my other guilty pleasure, which is single malt scotch. <laughs> there is, uh, I think at last count, there was around 18 bottles of scotch there. I think I'm up around 25 now. So um, they're all hidden away in the background there. But yeah, we, we play a little Where's Wally with the scotch bottles every now and then in my academy program. <laughs> I yeah. love it. You should have, I'm, I'm thinking right now, Star Wars and scotch. You could make like a Facebook page or like Ooh, something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we could we could pair the scotch with each of the different characters. That'd be that'd be pretty amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So Vince, people who don't know, uh, give them a quick summary about like who you are, right. what you do. Well, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Now, um, so give you a quick backstory. Here we go. So uh, I've been in and out of both entrepreneurship and and corporate life for most of my career. So I've created and sold a number of businesses, and had just come off the back of selling one of my biggest businesses, which was a eight figure business. And then joined the team at Cigna. And I became the chief marketing officer at Cigna Insurance, which if you don't know, is a Fortune 100 company. It's absolutely huge. And on paper, everything is awesome. So if you look at this, man, the track record, like double the revenue of the business. Uh, We went from, I think, sixth or seventh largest insurer to the second largest insurer. Um, Took online sales from like 2% of our overall income to 48%. It was just ridiculous. In that time, I published my first book. I, I, I was recognized by Adobe as being one of the top 50 marketers in the world, technically the top 25, according to my son, because they'd only picked 25 of us. Um, so on paper, everything was absolutely crushing it. And here I am sitting in my office in Cigna, feeling insanely unfulfilled and insanely unhappy and realize this isn't me. I, I need to be at the forefront of where I'm impacting people, man. I need to be out there where I'm actually like, I'm not treating people as a number or a dollar sign, which... If it, you know, look, I totally understand that's what you have to do when you're a C-suite executive, but it just doesn't gel with who I am as a person. So I made the easiest hard decision of my life and December 2019 started some very awkward conversations with my CEO and I explained to her what I want to do. And then she's like, I think we need to get you a counselor, a psychologist. Do you even know how much we pay you? And I'm like, yes, it's not about the money. And she goes, I don't understand. And I go, and that is part of the reason why I need to move on. <laughs> so January 2020 left there with the sole purpose grant of writing my next book. So I was writing a book that I'm still writing at the moment and taking my time with this one because it's really important. Although in saying that, 
it lasted about a week of writing this solely. And then suddenly I got bored and now I'm writing like, I think I've got three books that are due to be published this year. And then the book that I actually left to write will be published next year uh, amongst some children's books and a whole lot of other things as well. So that was going to be my career. I'm out there. I'm now an author and thoroughly enjoying it. And then from that, I also, I have a background in radio. Um, so I was a radio announcer on one of our top radio stations here for a number of years. And I really loved that job. That was my dream job. But the one thing that wasn't dreamy about it was the pay because they pay you so badly. So I'm like, man, I really wanted to launch a podcast. That's like for me, the new radio. So I said about launching the Chasing the Insights podcast, which has been a crazy journey. But in amongst all of this, this is where I found what my calling is. And the reason I found this is because as with the rest of the world, we suddenly face this thing called COVID. And uh, I was interviewing a number of different entrepreneurs from throughout the world, from the US, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, um, around their journey and around imposter syndrome and things to, to factor into my book that I'm writing. And when COVID hit, all of them had the same response to me, which was Vince, we want to keep helping you, but we're not in the right headspace. Like seriously, we have no revenue coming in the door. We're all in lockdown. But at the same time, we have the same overheads and we're literally working out whether or not we're going to be in business in two months time. Now, I love entrepreneurship. I'm, I'm a born entrepreneur. My first company was when I was 11 years old. I'm like, there's no way I can stand by and let this happen to other entrepreneurs. This feels heartbreaking to me. So I said to them, look, let me come alongside you. Let me help you. Let me at least try and get you profitable again, even during lockdown. And I was very pleased to say we had no casualties. They all said yes. All of them come back to profitable, even during lockdown. Uh, even had three of them double their revenue and one of them triple their revenue during lockdown, which was like my little darlings from Melbourne, which I was so happy with. Um, but through all of this, I was helping these people to get like stand out in market, to get differentiate themselves, to build these things. And I had this weird feeling every time they succeeded, I was like, what is this strange bubbly sensation inside of me? And I'm like, oh my goodness, Grant, it's, it's fulfillment. I actually feel fulfilled. I feel happy. Oh my God, I'm not sitting in my office going, where's my scotch? I really need a drink right now because life sucks. I'm like, I am genuinely happy for once. So, so that kind of started that part. And now I've launched a group program and I just help early stage entrepreneurs particularly, or even those that are a little bit more senior that really want to stand out in market, that really want to generate and convert leads, but in a heart-centered way, in a way that's authentic, that's not bro marketing that's not like we're going to 10x your results and buy your Lamborghini that is actually around we want to make impact in this world but at the same time we want to build a sustainable business for me and for my family and it's so interesting because like one of the things that you know we have never actually talked about that I know you know looking at this as a more high level because I want to break down like get into the more nitty-gritty but at a high level how did you get started in entrepreneurship? Because I know we talked a little bit about the business yeah. you had when you were, you know, super young, but like, what did that journey look like for you actually acquiring the skill sets going into that corporate world as well? And then, you know, obviously yeah. you made the jump there and we'll talk about that in a second, but how did you kind of start that journey? Well, well, very early on, I will, I will share this with your listeners. So, and please don't judge me on this background for all of you. I grew up in an abusive household. I grew up in poverty. I had nothing. I had no role models. I had no moral compass. Okay, that's a really important point. Because when I hit age 11, um, I managed to get my hands on, uh, my, my father was a, a rubbish collector for corporates, like for businesses. And he was, you know, getting rid of the, uh, the rubbish at a, I won't name them, computer place. Uh, and they had imported a pile of these Sinclair ZX81s, which were very early personal computers for those of you that are old like me. 
uh, or or watch the original WizKids TV series. Whoa, they had those in there. Um, anyway, these things were notoriously bad and broke all the time. So they imported these things and three of them didn't work. And they were like, oh, well, text right off, throw them in the bin. So my dad's like, hmm, computer thing looked good. Uh, boy would like to play with. So he brought them home to me. He had no idea what they were. And I looked at these things and I was, I was 10 at the time. And I'm like, okay, well, these are rubber membrane keypads. So obviously they're, they're not sticking, which is the problem, or they are sticking, which is the problem. So managed to clean them out and make two of them at least work. So I then asked around my friends and said, I've got these computers, they're really awesome. And they wanted to buy them because their parents wanted to get their hands on them. So I sold them to my friends and I made some pretty nice coin off it back in the day. And then I used that coin to go and buy myself my ultimate computer, which was the Commodore 64. And this was a, an amazing thing that plugged into your TV and you could program on it. You could play games like Barbarian, which was amazing. Uh, but I discovered something. that All of the games and all of the software for the Commodore 64 were done on cassette tape. Now, if you know how cassette tapes work, it's just a ferrite thing. So basically you can copy it, in other words. So I was like, well, this is really easy. I can take this game that someone loaned me. I can get a, a like a you know high-speed dubbing tape deck which we had in the days get a blank tape and i can copy this thing and we learned how to put tape over the little protector things so that you could actually dub it and and i didn't own one of those so what we'd do is i'd go into a shop and my friend would distract the person there and i'd go up and i'd use the the tape deck and quickly high-speed dub a whole pile of versions of this and and then i would sell them to people and i made so much money from selling these pirated video games and software that i ended up buying myself my own tv my own VHS, which back in the day was really expensive, um, my own heaters, all these kind of things. I basically became self-sufficient. And when you're an 11-year-old boy, which I was at that time, who was in an abusive household, in fact, I wasn't even in the household. Like They put me in a caravan on the back section with no insulation, no power, nothing. Um, so I had to dig, like in the middle of the night, dig a tunnel to go under the house to actually wire my own caravan, which, by the way, when you're 11, is not a healthy thing to do. Um, but when you're 11 years old and you're having to fend for yourself and you realize that you can make money off of these things, then that shifts your focus from, oh, I need a job. I need to be dependent on somebody else to I can create my own wealth. So that was the first eye opener for me. And then, you know, years later, I ended up training in, in electronics, computer and software engineering um, and getting a real job out in the real world and all this kind of thing. But I always had this like this bug in me to create businesses and to create opportunities and create my own wealth. So one of the things that happened was from there, I started a number of different companies. Some of those early stage failed miserably, by the way, um, spectacularly failed in some of the cases, like honestly, really cool concept for businesses, but wrong timing or wrong implementation, or I basically, I just learned a lot. And then we got to the point where I was like, now I'm serious about this. I really need to launch an ethical business. I had a moral compass at this stage, um, launch an ethical business. And the thing that I discovered is when you are an entrepreneur, you have to know everything or you at least have to learn everything. So what I discovered was as soon as you get out there and you're trying to launch something yourself, you're trying to birth this business, you start learning about getting seed investment. You learn about um, you know venture capitalists, you learn about budgeting, you learn about forecasting, you learn about how to sell, you learn about how to market, you learn all this product development, all these different kinds of things. That makes you so much more valuable in the corporate world. And it was an interesting thing. I remember coming off the back of selling Common Ledger. Now, this was, like I said, huge exit, eight-figure exit um, to our business. Um, it was a massive company, and we'd only built it in three and a half years. Myself, started with myself and my co-founder, and then we brought on board a couple other co-founders. Really stressful journey, but very successful. And on paper, that would be amazing. But 
as soon as I made the decision to leave Commonledger, I was like, right, that's it. I'm on the road all the time. I don't get to see my family. I'm not enjoying this. Uh, and we've got all these companies wanting to buy us. So hello, let's, let's bring all that together. I'm going to leave, go off into the corporate world, and we're going to sell the company. But the second I did that, I had this massive anxiety attack of going, all of the weight of the companies lifted off me because I'm like, guys, I'm out of here. You can hire someone to replace me. I'm done. But at the same time, part of me is going, but how am I going to find a job? Because I'm just a marketer, right? Marketers are a dime a dozen, not realizing that actually to an employer, you are so much more than that because you've, you've gone through the process. You understand every aspect of building a business. You understand all the different things that make a business great, not just one little thing that you were trained for. So from an employer's perspective, I didn't realize I was, I was gold. You know, I went out there and I was like, and basically I applied for, I think I applied for three jobs, got all three jobs. So I had to choose, but then also was offered about, uh, you know, five other jobs as well. I had eight opportunities present themselves uh, from someone who thought he was never going to be able to find a job. So suddenly I had eight jobs that I could choose from. So, so I went with the team at Signa and kind of uh, came in there. But also the other thing I learned and Grant was that entrepreneurial mindset that mindset of going, I'm going to do as much as I can with as little because you're, you know, you're bootstrapping the whole business yourself or, or you've got a seed round that's going to run out or something like that. The ability to be able to do so much with so little and to be able to add so much value to the organization means that in corporate world, you were absolute gold. And it was very easy for me to get the results and very easy, easy for me to look at things and question them and go, why are we doing this? Oh, because that's how we've always done it, Vince. Well, that's not how I would do it if I was starting a business and I've just done that. So let's, let's challenge this. Let's see if we can do it better. So it adds so much value to you in the corporate world. Super, super interesting there because it, I mean, it's, it's so true. I feel like a lot of businesses now have like you know, training scars or like things they've done for so long that they don't think about like, why are we truly doing this? They don't look at that. And, you know, maybe even in our own businesses, we've had things, especially in the marketing field, like, marketing like that changes sometimes like two or three times a day right like it always changes so yeah, like i love even, that you're laughing but that is legitimately serious i think at one yeah. point we had facebook had changed the um the aspect ratio of the videos for facebook uh within two weeks seven times we're like <laughs> we're just gonna wait until they've settled on something and then we'll be okay with this you know <laughs> but but to that point right because like you having the ability to continually like question why and i think that's something that today is lost on a lot of people they just do because they that's the way it's been done and not because of okay well why are we doing this why is it actually working like that stuff that's super important and you said something else there too being that entrepreneur starting your own business and like wearing all those hats gives yep. you a super unique perspective because if you look at someone in the corporate world who let's say just does marketing they don't understand as much how the sales channel work, how fulfillment works, how everything else works together in order to make yeah. that machine and the cogs turn. So it gives you like a super unique and very valuable uh, skill set for people to uh, yeah. have from you. And then within that too, now I'm trying to work chronologically here. You got that now when you went into corporate and you realized that, you know, it wasn't the fit for you, you weren't fulfilled there, you wanted to move on. I yeah. know that there's going to be a handful of people listening uh, to this podcast who that resonates with them a ton. Yeah. Now, as you could imagine, that is a scary jump for some oh, people yeah. to make. There's yeah. a lot there to go wrong. There's a lot of fear there. That's a big risk for them. Mm -hmm. What made it so like, what made you commit to it? Like what gave you that unresounding 
confidence and conviction that this is what I need to do. And you did it because I know that your advice here is definitely going to help a ton of people when they hear it, uh, actually go ahead and make that change for themselves. I, oh man, definitely. I think, I think there's two aspects to this grant. One of those is I made it not about me. And by that, I mean, because it's really easy as entrepreneurs or as, as someone even in corporate that has an entrepreneurial bent um, that has that hook in them. And by the way, once you, once you've got that hook in you for entrepreneurship, corporate life just becomes more and more miserable. I'm just putting that out there and you're going to see it yourself. If you're sitting there going, I've got my nine to five job and I really don't want to go to the office tomorrow. There's a reason for that. It's because you're called somewhere. But one of the things I did that make that a lot easier was not make it about me. And it was to realize that I actually genuinely want to impact people. I have, I really have a heart towards helping entrepreneurs. I really have a heart. And even when I left Signa, the, the idea was I was going to write my next book. But that book was very much to help entrepreneurs. It's all about rewiring your brain for imposter syndrome, actually understanding what imposter syndrome is, understanding how it can become your superpower. And I really want to help as many people as I can. So I'm like, okay, so if I'm leaving Signor, I'm leaving a, a nine to five, what we call pseudo security, because for a lot of us, we think, you know, having a nine to five job means I've got a regular income. So therefore I'm secure, I'm safe. I'm in the safe space. But as COVID's taught us, <laughs> most corporates are not safe spaces. And actually, your job is very, very fickle, by the way. And if the bottom line has been impacted slightly, suddenly you're out on your butt. But, um, but for a lot of them, that moving from that is very scary and the self-doubt kicks in. But if you're making it not about you and about the people that you want to impact, that makes it so much easier. But the other thing that I will encourage, and I'm aware that not everyone will have access to this straight away, is actually having a really supportive wingman, or in my case, wingwoman, which is my wife. So actually being able to have somebody where I can talk about, like we, we, we call them our walks. Like we, every day we go for a walk and we talk about where we want to be in five years time. We talk about, you know, like we'll walk along, we'll talk about the houses that we see. We want to build a new house and, oh, I like that garage door. Should we take elements of that? Yeah, yeah, we will. Or, oh, did you check out the new Audi? Okay, okay, we want one of those in there. Then we go to a, a car yard and we see the, uh, I've never been a Ferrari fan, man. But we went in there, I was looking at the new Jags going, okay, I want to get like a, a sporty Jag. Kind of thing and it's like a i think over here in new zealand dollars about one hundred seventy thousand or something and then i look and right next to it was a ferrari spider and i'm going oh see now if i want a head turner i look at the jag and go that is beautiful and everyone will go oh impressive Vince. and then i look at the spider and go <gasps> like that's the result i want so we talk about things like that we talk about what do we want to look like what how do we want to help people how do we want to travel although that's been you know put paid to thanks to covid um and in doing so, it means that we can be really open and honest with ourselves and with each other about how we're feeling. And she certainly saw it with me in corporate where, you know, at Cigna, where I wasn't being myself. And by that, I mean, you know, when you're in a C-suite position, as I've said, you, you kind of, you treat everyone as a number and a dollar sign. And I just felt so inauthentic. I felt like I was playing a role. I felt like I was an actor in there going, hey, I am this chief marketing officer and I have to behave in a certain way and I have to be comfortable with things that I'm really not comfortable with and I have to be uncomfortable with things that I'm actually very comfortable with. And, you know, so all of that disingenuous feeling that I had being there, she would see that and she would see the stress that that put me under. And for me, unfortunately, I suck at listening to myself. I suck at listening to my inner voice. I just keep it quiet. And in the end, my body just goes, hey, dude, we've been trying to tell you something. You need to pay attention. And for me, that was in November 2019, where we sponsored, uh, we have these run, like, you know, fun runs. I don't know why they call them fun, but fun <laughs> runs here. And we sponsored the, the 10K, but they had a half marathon there. And I thought, well, if we're sponsoring this thing, I'm going to run the half marathon. 
So that was one of my fitness goals for the year. I thought, right, this is, by the way, this is not the body of a marathon runner or even a half marathon runner. This is something that's very uncomfortable for me. So I thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to, you know, um, register for this. I'm going to do it. And, and we went down to beautiful Queenstown here in New Zealand, which is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And it was a nice day. It was nice and sunny. And I ran this half marathon. Now, I was so busy in my role as chief marketing officer. I had no time to train. And when you don't have the body of a runner, you're not a runner, and you don't train before a half marathon, that is, um, I'll put it out there, that is stupidity. But I thought, well, I don't have the time for this, so I'm going to prove that it's mind over matter. I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to go even further. I'm going to listen to an audio book while I'm running a half marathon. I'm going to get my team to test me on my recollection of the book. And to be fair, I actually ran it in a relatively okay time. I wouldn't say, you know, like I was certainly not breaking any records or anything like that. But I did okay for someone who had done no training. So I was pretty happy with that. Unfortunately, at the end of that race, uh, at the end of the run, I had to stick around for another three hours before we started handing out the medals. In that time, the weather, because Queenstown's normally a snowy kind of place, the weather turned from, uh, I don't know what it'd be in Fahrenheit, but it was around uh, 18 degrees Celsius down to almost zero. And it started pouring down with rain. And I'm there in a singlet and shorts, but I thought, no problem. I've got to change the clothes here. So I went to my bag. All the sponsors that were there, we all had a bag with a change of clothes in that were sitting on a table under a tent to keep nice and dry, except some helpful, I say in inverted quotes, uh, worker there decided he needed to pack down the tent. So he took all our bags and threw it in a giant puddle. So we had no change of clothes, soaking wet, freezing cold, handing out these medals, shivering to everybody. And at the end of that, I had to race back to my hotel and have five showers to even thaw out. Um, the next day I had to fly back home and the day after that I had to fly to Auckland which is at the other end of the, the island that I'm on and travel the country for three weeks doing a roadshow and in that time frame I'm turning up to these network events now bear in mind this is pre-COVID by the way I would never do I never go out sick anywhere um, and network with people anymore but I had the flu and I would turn up to these events and I'm there shaking hands and working the room and yeah wooing everybody and everyone was impressed and all this and I go back to the hotel and I felt like I was dying. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sick. Now, came back from three weeks on the road after three weeks of the flu, thinking that's not healthy. I need to go and see the doctor. So I turned up to the doctor and I said, I've been on the road for three weeks, but I've had the flu for three weeks. And he goes, well, that's not good. So he did some tests and he goes, well, I've got some news for you. And I said, what? And he goes, it's not the flu. Went, oh, okay. And he goes, no, you've had pneumonia for three weeks. And I was like, wait isn't that serious? And he goes, oh yeah, you're a moron. <laughs> I have a very, very cool doctor, by the way. Um, but it made me realize that I'm responsible for my own health. I'm responsible for my own destiny and my own pathway. I'm responsible for my own fulfillment even, and to feel like I'm making a mark on this world. Nobody else is going to own that for me. So I then had to question myself and go, what am I doing? And that's when I started this whole process ground of going, questioning myself and going, well, why am I here? Why am I in this corporate role? Am I here because of the money? Because I don't need the money. Am I here because I'm getting all these wins? Because I can do that in so many other ways that are more aligned with who I am. And am I impacting anyone? Not really. I'm impacting my team, of course. I was building a very high-performing team. They're an awesome bunch of, uh, awesome bunch of marketers. Uh, I'm impacting the other uh, C-suite executives that were there. And they're, the senior leadership there are awesome. There's nothing wrong with Sigma. It's a great company, great leadership but I just, it wasn't for me. So, so that's my advice to all of you is to be surrounded by people that can help you and understand you with what you're going through. But at the same time, don't make it about you, make it about the people that you're going to impact as an entrepreneur. It's amazing. That's amazing advice. And it's, <clears throat> it's so true. Like if you have that, 
solid support system if you have that you know wingman wingwoman whoever it is for you guys like it's something that takes so much like because i know like straight up as entrepreneurs a lot of us are very like insecure with certain things in our lives and that's like and it's something that we don't like to show it all of us man you know what i mean like a lot of us don't like to show it but it's true and like having that person that you know you trust or that person that truly knows you um, yeah. And when you have problems where you don't necessarily know internally the answer, like going to them and getting their input, I mean, that can be I- invaluable. I mean, that is like huge for you to hear that from somebody that is truly yeah. on your side, 100% and knows the real you. Yeah. Um, so definitely finding that support system, finding somebody like that, who not only that, but also makes you want to be better. I think that's a huge yeah. thing too, because yeah. there, there are people out there who you'll see like, you know, there, there may be connected with you for not the right reasons, but you can absolutely tell when that person is there for you and they've seen you through a ton of different stages of life, which I is like, awesome. I like that, Grant. That, that actually brings me to another point as well, because like I said, not everybody, I'm very aware that not everybody has access to that. Like not everyone's in a relationship and not everyone has even a relationship where they can be that open and honest with the other person. And not everyone's prepared to be that insecure, like, that, insecure that vulnerable to somebody else, you know? But you can surround yourself with those people. And this is why. And I always feel I always feel awkward saying this. Get yourself a coach. And I feel awkward saying it because I am a marketing coach. But the reason I say this is because if you find the right coach, somebody that is in your corner, they become that proxy for you. They become the person that's going to be there going, hey, you're not getting out of bed today. Why is that? Oh, I hate my life. I'm going to go and be an adult and get a real job. No, no, no. Think about it. And they, they'll bring the perspective for you. They'll get you to think about the impact they're trying to make. They'll get you to focus on your clients and on the people that you're trying to make a change for in this world, you know? So get yourself a coach. They'll get around you. Those are the type of people you're in, but you have to pick the right one. You have to pick the one that is actually in your corner and not just going, hey, where's my money? (laughs) Absolutely right. And let's move topics to that actually, because I'm curious to know, um, we've covered a lot of your backstory. We've covered some more, you know, philosophical and like, that kind of stuff. Let's get down to like what you really do, which is being a kick-ass sale or excuse me, marketing coach. Like that's what you do. And like, how I'm do you do that? Clarify that? I'm like, dude, I've got no idea what I do now. <laughs> how do you like, okay. So I'll ask you this, right? Yep. For our listeners who haven't looked you up yet. Yeah. What types of people do you work with? Like what types of people are your favorites to work with? Who do you look for there? I, I've got two audiences uh, for two very specific offerings that I have. So I have early stage entrepreneurs. So these are entrepreneurs that go, hey, we can't. We know what we're trying to offer the world. We know what we're trying to build here company-wise, but we really, the, the whole concept of marketing is completely overwhelming. Like we don't know. And, and they, the problem with it too is every time they go out there and they Google it or they go on YouTube, they're getting told all these different things. They're getting told you have to build your email list or you've got to create a course or you've got to um, you know, create a digital product. You've got to do lead magnets and funnels and email marketing, all these different things. And it's, it's completely overwhelming. Or, or they've kind of got some of those elements together, but at the same time, they're not generating or converting leads. So they're really stressed out. So those are my primary market. And that's what my group program is very much designed for. Um, I've kind of broken it down into two parts. The first 30 days, which is just called 30 days of revenue. And that's because I realized if we can get people to sign new clients, get them to get all of that out of the way in those first 30 days, then they can focus the rest of the five months, you know, the other five months on actually building their business and scaling upwards and outwards. So that's my primary market. The secondary market, though, is more around my one-to-one coaching. And these are these are people that are entrepreneurs that may be at an intermediate level or a bit more senior where they're going, look, Vince, 
I've, I've got revenue coming in, solid stream of revenue. We're doing okay as a company. I'm doing quite well, but I keep feeling like I'm hitting the ceiling of getting to that next level. And part of that is I just don't feel like I can differentiate myself. I don't feel like I can stand out and market. Um, like a good example, this is one of my clients. I won't name them because I don't want to embarrass them. But one of my clients came to me going, my problem is most of my competitors are nowhere near as talented as I am. And I agree with him, by the way, I'd used him as a vendor before uh, and used most of his competitors as a vendor before. Uh, he was kick-ass at what he does. And yet everyone would go with his competitors. How do I stand out in this? How do I not be some bit part in the background? How do I become a thought leader? So I do a lot of work around how he, helping them to stand out in market, helping them to, to deal with people like you, Grant, you know, to get on PR, to you know, get on podcasts, to, to actually structure a framework that you're known for, to write books, all those kind of things as well. That's, see, so that's good. We got that covered. I like that a lot. Now, looking at this too, because yeah. I mean, people in both of those spaces know that there's a lot of noise. Like oh, yeah. straight up, there's a ton of noise in every industry, right? It doesn't like change for industry. There's always going to be noise. There's always going to be people. Yeah. What are your, and you don't have to give out, you know, a lot of your secret sauce here, but I'm curious, <laughs> like if you got some advice for people just in general for like breaking through yeah. that noise or like how you work with clients to help them break that noise and help them stand out. I mean, what does that process look like? Uh, I can tell you now the number. So if you think about it, and this, this is one of the challenges that most entrepreneurs have. Like, say, for example, you are, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what some of my clients do. Okay, one of my clients does cooking classes, right? Virtual cooking classes. So she's out there just getting a bunch of children in, teaching them how to cook and that. But I tell you now, she's not the only person that does that. There is a heap of people out there that do cooking classes. So what makes her stand out? It's not her methodology. It's not the, the camera that she's using. It's not the type of children she's talking to. It's not the food that she's making. It's not the ingredients. It's none of those things. The only thing that makes her stand out from everybody else is her. And you as an entrepreneur, you may be a, you may be a marketing coach like me. And there are thousands and thousands of marketing coaches out there. But the one thing that you have, that none of them have is yourself. So it is your personality it is your backstory it is the things that you've had to go through the struggles you've had the scars that you now have it's all of the the lessons you've learned along the way the input that's been given to you your personality all of these things combined make you insanely unique so the best way for you to stand out in market is to actually bring your story to life and i do this through a method i call the beats method it's a methodology i, I teach where you, it helps you to understand your backstory, helps you understand why you do what you do. And a good example of this, uh, one of my clients came to me, I said to him, why do you do what you do? Like, why are you so passionate about that? And he goes, oh, because I make good money. I'm like, oh, no, that's not why you do what you do. All right, tell me this. Why do you love working with the clients that you love? Oh, because I, I like producing really good work. I'm like, that again is not the real reason you do this. So then we started going through the Beats Method. And we started talking about like, when was the, like talk through your values, you know, talk through what are your not negotiables, talk through the things that you are really, that are really important to you and talk through your methods and why you do what you do there. And then we started going back to what's your earliest memory of this aspect? What's your earliest memory of that aspect? And when we did this, he started to structure the story. He started to realize why he was so passionate. And in his, his case, he's a, um, a video producer. So, and director. So he does uh, like ads, you know, on TV, like TV, television commercials. He does documentaries and things like that. And he got all the way back to when he was a kid and his dad was like, take him and his brother. They would sneak them in to see Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, you know, because they were too young to actually go and see it. He said, but afterwards, it was just this shared experience where we would get together and it brought us together as a family. 
me and my brother and my dad would be talking about all these things. And then he goes, and then I went on my big OE, you know, we traveled the world and he went to all these random places around the world. And he suddenly saw all these stories of people that you would never have access to if you didn't travel. All these really important stories of these struggles and these things that people had gone through and they had learned along the way. And he's like, whoa. And then all of a sudden he started to realize there was a thread that ran through all of his backstory and it was to get to him to where he is now. Because he looked at those stories of those people and thought, what if we could bring those to life? What if we could take the vision or the experiences that are in people's head and bring them to life as video? So this became part of his, and he, he literally went through the beats method. He prepared his kind of backstory and things like that. And we, we go through and identify what we call atomic beats and epiphany beats and all this. So he can structure a story in multiple different ways. And he ran it past his wife who's a psychologist. And she goes, okay, tell me. And he goes, dude, my wife cried in a good way. And I'm like, this is awesome. So he told me a story. He goes, I need to tell you this. So he told me a story as though it was like he was being interviewed on my podcast. And honestly, I choked up in that. I read, and he goes, do you realize something? And I said, what? And he goes, I'm inspirational. <laughs> I was like, yes, you legitimately are. But that story has now landed him many more clients. And that story has made people go, if I'm taking my, the vision that's in my head around my, my, the video that I want to produce, right? Do I give it to someone that I know is going to do a good job of that? Or do I give it to somebody who has such a passion for this and can understand my vision, who I am as a person and can align with me and they'll bring that to life. Of course, they're going to choose him. So those are the kind of things that I teach entrepreneurs is really how to make your story part of your brand, how to make your story the, the most unique part of why people would actually engage with you. And that's, I mean, absolutely right. I mean, that is something too, that's so important, but yeah. also so overlooked with a lot of businesses it's like that branding and like why you are doing what yeah. you do and your true why you know a lot of people like get into it they think they might know or they have an idea or it's for the wrong yeah. reasons you know up front yeah. and yeah. having that story having that like brand and putting that out there yeah. in my opinion it's everything i i do believe that that is so much of your business is just like having your brand because at the end of the day um i'll just use a video production as an example like Anybody now, anybody now with an iPhone can do video production, right? Anybody can do it. Or an Android, just putting it out there. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. And I, hey, hey, I was Android for my entire life. This is the first iPhone I ever had. You so I don't pick sides. I did sell out a little bit, but I, I'll tell you yeah. what, Vince, I kind of like yeah. it. I don't know. Um, okay, I'll give you. <laughs> but the, um, you get that and you turn into a commodity. Like everyone can do what you yeah. do. The thing that differentiates people from other businesses and decommoditizes yeah. them is you, is me, yep. is them. It is the person themselves. So I love that story. And that is something that holds so much validity that I've personally seen with businesses as well. And going back here, we'll start wrapping everything up. I do want to get into this last topic here. Um, <clears throat> when you kind of started your journey looking back yeah. maybe even from the the leaving the corporate side of things we can start yeah. at, at that point if you could go back in time and tell you know younger vince um a few pieces of advice or something for them what would you give vince as advice what would you want him to know that he didn't know at the time okay there's two two things i would teach young vince um other than to make sure you buy lots of lightsabers because you're going to want to play with those when you're older <laughs> Um, or, or trust me, whiskey gets better with age. Um, but the two <laughs> things I would teach myself, are 
uh, and I, Nike kind of stole this. I always feel like I'm so gutted they trademark just do it, but it is actually just get out there and actually launch. And I, one of the things I teach people is we, we always talk about um, not being ready. You know, we talk about don't be a perfectionist because perfectionism, if you really want to understand what perfectionism is, is self-sabotage. It really is you going, I'm putting this false bravado on. I'm putting this false expectation that everything's got to be 100% before I put it out there, which is just your brain's way of going, and I have no intention of putting it out there because then you'll be judged and then you might fail. So actually getting past that and going, like, let's, let's put it out there, even if it's messy, even if it's not finished. I go beyond that now to go, actually, there's power in doing that. Like, don't be ready. Actually put it out there before you're ready. It's one of the best things you can do. Sometimes it'll backfire on you. I had this, I, I launched a mini course. I did a masterclass and I said, oh, actually it came up, came to me during the masterclass. I said, actually, who'd be interested in me doing a mini course off the back of this? And all these people went, me, 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 me. And I went, oh, okay. And then got up there and realized I'm way too busy to do that. What am I doing? <laughs> you more of it. You've got too many other things. But if you want to launch something, don't be ready put it out there. And there's a reason for that, right? First of all, because you get past your own procrastination. And the majority of the times as entrepreneurs, we hold back and we hold back and we hold back and we miss opportunities as a result of that. But the second reason is if you put it out there without it being ready, you then get to do something really, really special. You get to develop it off the back of real consumer feedback. And what I mean by that is as entrepreneurs, it's really easy for us to go, like, it'd be really easy for me, Grant, to go, okay, I'm putting together a program. I know 100% how this is going to work. I know exactly what people need. I'm going to structure it in this way, and we're going to stick to that program. But the reality is, I'm me, and I look at it through my lens. I'm not my target market, or my target market are all completely different. So instead of going here, I've structured this thing, I've created all this content, let's put it out there, It's just go, let's do it and make it up as we go along. And in doing so, I get to tailor it specifically for my audience as they're buying it, as they're purchasing it, as they're, as they're working with it. And that way I get to build something that's far more relevant for them and far more sellable to people because it speaks directly to their needs. So get out there as early as possible, put it in front of your customers, start selling it way before you're ready and just get the feedback from them as, as quickly and as effectively as you can. And I mean, that is gold. Like that's so true. And we've, that we use that same philosophy within our business when we started a lot of different things. Um, imperfect action is yeah. going to be your friend. Like oh, Vince absolutely. said, if you guys sit there and you think about like for, our, for a, a tangible example for us was Facebook ads. Uh, we have always ran Facebook ads for people, but never for ourselves. And it's a little bit different when you do it for yourself, because you know, like what you need, you want to make sure like, there's all these things that like are different from running them for other people. And so you take all this time, you, we, we realized we were just getting so caught up and like, we were so far behind on actually like getting them out and launching them yep. for ourselves that we were like, we just got to do it. Like yeah. just do it. And we did. And that's obviously what, uh, yeah. Well, then you, and by putting it out there, exactly what you do for your clients, you put it out there and then you go, okay. That didn't quite resonate. Let's tweak this. Let's tweak yep. that. Maybe yep. we'll tweak the target market that's there. Tweak the wording on there. Just change the image up, you know? So, yeah. Same thing. Same thing. And then Vince, where are we going to be able to get a hold of you? Where do you want people reaching out? Tell us oh, a little man. bit about plug, plug up. Plug up, man. Plug up. Yeah, I love it. I'm so not used to plugging. Now, um, I make it really, really simple. So just go to chasingtheinsights.com. You'll see a few things on there. First of all, that's the home of my podcast and you'll see Grant's lovely face on there. Make sure you listen to that episode because it's got, it's awesome. Um, so go and check out my podcast there. You'll also see my first book there. Uh, it'll also be where my other books are when they're, put, when they're published this year. 
but also there's two things there I want you to pay attention to. One of them is you'll see links to everywhere you can connect with me on social. Do that. Um, unless you're a spammer. I don't really like spammers, but otherwise I'm happy to connect with all of you. Um, but the other thing there is a free strategy call. And there's a big link there for it. Book some time with me if you've got any confusion around marketing. Anything where you're like, actually, I need to sense check that with the events. I need to, I, I just don't quite understand this. Jump on a call with me. I love helping people. I will give you the clarity that you need. Absolutely. So there you guys go. As always, you can look right below for that stuff. Uh, if you're on you know, any platform, it'll be in the description. Um, <laughs> Vince, thank you a million, not only for hopping on the podcast, but for helping out people who are listening right now, because I know for a fact that you have done that through this episode. So through them, uh, I'm going to be their, their channel, their vessel here. Thank you <laughs> on their behalf. Oh, absolutely welcome, Grant. Honestly, I mean, secretly, this was just a chance for you and I to catch up. We just happen to have an audience. Right. Which, you know. That's it. But no, I, I just, I love this. I love helping people. And uh, also, just plugging you there, but I love connecting with awesome people around the world. It's one of the benefits of having a podcast. I know you know this, Grant, is you get to meet some of the coolest, some of the most intelligent people in the world. Yeah. And the second that Grant and I met, it was like, okay, kindred spirit. This is one of my new besties. We are done. I, I, I'm just, I'm getting you in front of my audience because they need to hear your wisdom and your, you know, your, your big brain needs to explode all over. Them. <laughs> Dude, we had, and, and it's so funny too, because like that podcasting opens up such a cool world. So, you know, a lot of you guys, I don't know if I've ever actually talked about this on the podcast, but I'm really happy you said this because I tell everybody almost that I'm on a call with, if it makes sense, start a podcast, guys, like get out there and do it. It gives you such a cool reach. It gives you so much like time and room to resonate with people and like share your message and, you know, find out some things even about yourself through talking with other people that you maybe wouldn't have realized. Like, like I said, me and Vince, like when we first connected, it was awesome. Like we were pumped and God, Vince, I don't even, it was so long ago now. I don't remember exactly how we first connected, but. Oh, neither do I. But I, I know that before we hit record on the podcast, we were talking for like an hour beforehand. We thought yep. we should just click record. Like seriously, everyone would want to hear our ramblings and our joking around about Star Wars and whiskey and everything. Um, but also, I will say this: there's a, there's a couple of myths I just want to crush around podcasting because yeah. the second you say you want to do a podcast, you're going to hear two things, right? All of you listening right now, you'll hear two things. One of them is you'll hear podcasting is saturated now. Like there's too many podcasts out there. You're just jumping on the bandwagon. Um, nobody listens to podcasts anymore. I'm telling you now that's absolute bollocks. And I know Grant believes this as well. We've, we see our numbers, by the way, guys, <laughs> like I, I set my target and then I said, right in three months by the after the launch of my podcast, I want to be at a certain level. And then I got to the end of the three months and went, so turns out I suck at forecasting. I've 15 X that thing, like <laughs> just phenomenal response. People love podcasts and it's very unique because they don't just listen to a part of it like they will on YouTube. They listen to the whole episode. I mean, you're all here at the end of this episode. You listen to us rambling on for however long we've been rambling on for. So people do listen to podcasts. But the other myth you're going to hear is you can't make money off a podcast. Uh, or if you do, it's through advertising, which I don't have any advertising on my podcast. I don't believe in it for me because I don't find any products that align with me. And I want people to know that I'm authentic, that I'm not selling out to something. You know, that's just, I don't mind if other people do that, but that's just something for me. But I tell you now, I've made a heap of money off my podcast and in ways you wouldn't expect. I've had clients reach out to me that hear me interviewing someone and go, oh, I need to talk to Vince. I know he knows he's going to be the one that's going to help me take my company to where it is. And then I've had guests on my podcast who've gone on to be clients. I had a very high profile entrepreneur just recently go, go uh, I interviewed them for the podcast. At the end of the podcast, we just had a chat about their business. And they go, I've got multiple companies. I'm launching a new company at the moment. I was like, great. 
And then they reached out to me about a week after we did the recording and said, well, can I jump on a call with you? And I said, yep. They said, look, I've just been arguing with my husband. I'm going, where is this going? And they said, um, I'm currently being coached by these two uh, insert very high profile names here. I won't say who they are, but I felt immediately intimidated. And they said, and I realized they're not the right people to get me to where I need to be. They're not the people that are going to help my fourth business launch. And they're not going to help me kind of break through that next level. So they've been looking around at all these different coaches and they were moaning to their husband about the fact that none of them clicked with them. And his husband turned around and said, you mean like you clicked with that guy Vince when you're on his podcast? Yes, bingo. So she rang me out, you know, contacted me on Zoom and just said, so I want you to coach me. I'm not taking no for an answer and I don't care how much it costs. Just send me through the details and we'll make it happen. And I was so blindsided. I'm like, okay, I thought she's going to ask me to refer her to other entrepreneurs. <laughs> I didn't know what I was expecting. But you can make good money because people hear you, people connect with you. And the golden rule of marketing is really simple, marketing and sales. You just want people to know you, to like you, and to trust you. And if you've got a podcast, they are knowing you because they're listening to your podcast. They are liking you because they connect with you on a personal level. And they are trusting you because they get to hear your expertise. And they get to hear you aligned with other people you get on the show as well. So Absolutely rent right. over. That is my soapbox on, on podcasting. Just go ahead and launch one and then tell me about it. It'll be awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. Guys, ditto on that. I mean, I, I won't waste breath. Ditto. That is exactly <laughs> the right way to do it. You don't need to uh, add, you know, get ads to monetize your podcast and make money. No, not at, all. not at all. Yeah. All that stuff, et cetera. No. Um, Vince, million times. Amazing catching up with you, brother. Likewise, Grant. Likewise. All right, guys. Go. Go check them out. Um, do yourself a favor. Schedule that call as well. You will not regret it. Awesome.